You are Locked On Titans, your daily Tennessee Titans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Titans podcast. I am your host, Tyler Rowland. Titans fans, this crossover Thursday edition of the Locked On Titans podcast is presented by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. It is time for us to begin our preparation to watch some football this weekend. The Titans do take on the Baltimore Ravens in what is a pivotal matchup in terms of the playoff positioning and seating. A lot of peas in there for you guys on this crossover Thursday. But that means that we are going to have Kevin Allstriker back on the podcast to give us a, a summary of what the Ravens have been on offense and defense and let us know how he thinks they might attack. So excited for that two-part conversation between me and Kevin Allstriker from Locked on Ravens. Before we get into that conversation, though, as we always do on Thursday to start our show, we will go into the first injury report, the initial injury report for both teams. So we will start off there getting you ready to prepare for this game against the Baltimore Ravens. Tomorrow will be a Football Friday game preview on the Locked on Titans podcast with my keys to victory, players to watch, fantasy, gambling, injury report, score and game prediction. I literally get you ready for the game from every possible angle. And then next week, we'll be recapping the game with a game recap on Monday, including Tighten Up and Tighten Down, where I go over all the individual performances. Monday's our Tic Tac Tuesday with our Tic Tac 4-pack, breaking down the four most impactful plays from the week from an X's and O's perspective. Wednesday is our Rewatch Wednesday, going over my additional analysis from rewatching the coaches tape. And then next week on Thursday, Thursday, we'll be right back to get ready for another matchup against the Colts. So make sure that you're subscribed to the Locked On Titans podcast on whatever platform you do stream so you don't miss any of the content I will be pumping out Monday through Friday. But it's a crossover Thursday. We got to talk about the initial injury report and then get into a detailed conversation with Kevin Ostriker from Locked On Ravens. Let's get it. Tennessee Titans have begun their preparation for a critical matchup against the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday, and this game will go a long way in determining not only where the Tennessee Titans will land in the playoff seating, but if they'll have an opportunity to make the playoffs at all as the Titans and the Ravens are currently tied for the final and seventh playoff spot in the AFC. And the Titans, because they missed out on their normal scheduled bye week, are in the midst of a long run since week four, the last time they were able to take a rest. So this 10-day rest for the Titans following a Thursday night game will be critical that they're able to get healthy. And that leads us into the first in 
injury report for both teams of the week. And we are going to jump into the Titans side now. Outside linebacker Jadavian Clowney with a documented knee issue. Did not practice on Wednesday, but he has not practiced on Wednesday or Thursday for a few weeks now as he tries to rest that injured knee and get ready for game day. Wide receiver Corey Davis did not practice Wednesday. It was not injury related. Could still be related to the sudden death of his brother last week. Wide receiver Adam Humphrey still not participating in practice after that concussion against the Chicago Bears. Cornerback Adoree Jackson did not practice Wednesday with a knee injury. This has to be the most concerning aspect of the injury report for the Titans as it was expected that Adoree Jackson would have returned a few weeks ago, but it's obvious he suffered a setback of some kind and you have to wonder if he's going to be able to help the Titans out at all this season. Cornerback Chris Jackson also did not practice with an illness. Center Ben Jones with a knee injury did not participate in practice on Wednesday. That's something of concern to watch for Titans fans. Defensive lineman Larell Murchison with a rib injury did not participate in practice. Tight end Michael Pruitt with a knee injury also did not participate. And then guard Roger Saffold has been really been battling injuries for the last few weeks. Got an ankle injury in the most recent game against the Colts and did not practice on Wednesday. So that's nine players who did not participate. Wednesday is the typical rest day for the Tennessee Titans when it comes to some of their veterans. So not too alarming at this moment in time, but definitely an extensive list that needs to be monitored. There were two players who did participate in some capacity on the Titans injury report. First, tackle Dennis Kelly with a knee injury that he's been on the injury report for a few weeks with was a limited participant on Wednesday. And then running back centerized Perry, who was placed on injured reserve earlier in the season, was activated off injured reserve on Wednesday and was a full participant in practice on Wednesday as well. Let's move to the Baltimore Ravens side of things and although they are pretty uh, slim in terms of the amount of injuries on the injury report. They still have some significant ones here. Defensive lineman Calais Campbell with a calf injury did not participate in practice Wednesday. It's doubtful that he is able to play in this game. Defensive back Anthony Levine did not practice with a non-injury related issue. Cornerback Jimmy Smith, this will be a one to watch as well for the Ravens. An ankle injury did not practice. And another big one here, Brandon Williams. The Ravens run stuffing defense of tackle, has an ankle injury as well and did not participate in practice. Starting left tackle Orlando Brown was limited on Wednesday, but it's not injury related, so he should be good to go. And linebacker LJ Fort with a finger was a full participant. So Campbell, Smith, and Williams, those are names to watch on the Ravens side of things when it comes to injuries. But let's continue our preparation for this game against the Baltimore Ravens and dive into a crossover Thursday conversation with Kevin Allstriker from the Locked On Ravens podcast. Got some really good insight from someone who is on the ground taking a look at the Ravens on a day-to-day basis. So he's going to give us some analysis on the offense, some analysis on the defense, and then we're going to flip things around at the end of our show. He's going to ask me some questions about what I expect to see from the Tennessee Titans in this game. So really excited to get into this crossover Thursday conversation with Kevin Ostriker. Before we do want to tell you guys about Pepsi, this football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. As for me, you know it's three TVs in the living room on the couch with a 12-pack of Pepsi. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent 
talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. It is time for a crossover Thursday conversation. I am Tyler Rowland with Locked On Titans. We have Kevin Ostriker from Locked On Ravens. And the last time we spoke was before a major playoff upset for the Tennessee Titans that shocked the football world. So I'm certain that uh, that will come up and we will draw a little bit from that experience. But Kevin, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, Tyler. It's always nice to talk to you, even though uh, there was that upset last season. I think now we're both, our teams are in different trajectories now, and I'm excited to talk about this one. Yeah, yeah. Things are very different for both our teams this season compared to where they were last season at this time, just the vibe around the team. And I would say both of those are a little bit worse than what they were at this time last year, surprisingly. But let's jump right in. And obviously the 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 real... Uh, best part of these crossover conversations is the ability for you to give, you know, my Titans listeners here a, a on the ground look at what's going on with the Ravens this year. So obviously a little bit of a, a regression for their offense, but still a very talented team. What does the Ravens offense look like so far this year? It's still dominant on the ground, but obviously there are some issues that have been bothering some folks in Baltimore. Yeah, absolutely, Tyler. And I think this all starts with the offensive line and what they've been able to do this season. And it hasn't been particularly pretty. And that has a couple of reasons. And it's because, one, the performance itself from certain guys. But two, the Ravens have been decimated by injuries this whole season. I'd personally say they're the third most team affected by injuries outside of the 49ers and the Eagles. And look, injuries happen in football. It's not an excuse. But the Ravens lost Marshall Gonda to retirement, one of the best guards to ever do it, in my opinion, eight or nine months ago. And then against the Pittsburgh Steelers, they lose Ronnie Stanley for the season with a horrific-looking ankle injury. And then just last week against the New England Patriots, they lose their best blocking tight end and arguably the best blocker remaining on the team in Nick Boyle, who's widely regarded around the league as the best blocking tight end in football. So those three guys leaving or going down with an injury – it's severely affected how Baltimore has been able to, one, run the football, and two, even pass the football. I personally believe no matter who your quarterback is, no matter what your offense is, who your skill position players are, if you don't have a solid foundation for an offensive line, guys are going to get in your defensive backfield before the handoff, as we've seen in Baltimore. Quarterbacks are not going to have any time inside the pocket to throw, as we've seen in Baltimore. And even as some people probably saw against the New England Patriots, Matt Skura was ca- accounted for three fumbles himself and could have been a lot more if Lamar Jackson wasn't looking like Odo Beckham snagging them with one hand out, uh, time and time again. So right. the Ravens offense, it hasn't been what it was in 2019. You know, there's no getting away from that. Lamar Jackson this season has 1,762 yards through the air, has another 524 on the ground. But Baltimore still values the run game, I think, just as much as they did in 2019. The, the, the difference is that... They're passing the football just a little bit more. And I think Baltimore wants to prove to the NFL and to the league and to everybody that they can throw this football. But Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator, has come under a lot of heat for his play calling designs, especially in the passing game. His passing offense is very simplistic. And 
widely works in the middle of the field. The Ravens don't really use those outside concepts in their pass game. You'll likely see Lamar Jackson target the middle of the field quite a bit. So if I'm Tennessee, I'm looking to take away the middle of the field from Lamar Jackson. And I'm looking to pressure the Ravens with a, a defensive front, front seven, even secondary blitzes to get the offensive line off kilter and take away their run game. But if Baltimore can get off to a fast start through the ground, I think that'll set a tone early. Well, obviously, they're going to want to run the ball. Baltimore is the second-best team in the NFL right now at running the ball, 164 yards per game. So you're saying that they, they want to pass a little bit more, but they have some simplistic route concepts. And that's something that I can identify with as watching the Titans this year. But what do you think the Ravens will do on offense with that ground game and with that passing game to try to attack this Titans defense that last year had a definite game plan that's been copied where they – kind of only rush three, they're not very aggressive with that pass rush, and they sit back in zone and let Lamar throw. Do you, do you think the Ravens will have a counter to that this time, or what do you think their game plan might be to attack that? Yeah, Tyler, there's a ton of uncertainty this week, and I think it starts again with the offensive line. We might see three new starters on the offensive line for Baltimore this week. I'm assuming that score is getting benched, and maybe a few other people will rotate. But with Baltimore's personnel and what they're going to try to do, I think the loss of Nick Boyle hurts in more ways than one, especially because Baltimore was running out of three tight end sets a lot in 2019. They only went into the season with two tight ends on the roster. So that was Boyle and Andrews. Boyle goes down. So they only have still one tight end on the roster right now. They're probably going to call a few up, maybe one, maybe two from the practice squad. But in those heavy sets, it forced defenses to bring on heavier personnel. And in the RPO game last season, Baltimore was a master. It being able to bait defenses up to the line with those three tight end sets because defenses were expecting, well, they have their big personnel and they're probably going to run the football. And then you had guys like Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst go out and be competent receivers and catch the football. Now, without that, we've seen teams getting a little smaller, a little speedier on defense, take away those middle running lanes as well as spy Lamar Jackson. And in order to combat that, Baltimore hasn't really done a ton. And again, I think Baltimore's passing offense will run through the middle of the field once again. He loves targeting receivers 10, 12, 15 yards down the field that way. But he's actually gotten a lot better, Lamar Jackson has, at checking the football down. And that's going to be a key part of this, going through his reads against this Titans defense. And if nothing's there, checking it down to Ingram or J.K. Dobbins or Gus Edwards and taking the four, five, six yards that comes with that. So against Tennessee, I'd expect a run-heavy game, but it's all going to depend on the game flow this one much like we saw against the titans in the playoffs yeah yeah I, I and i think that teams have had success this year kind of nickel and diamond the titans down the field uh, the colts especially had a lot of success dumping the ball off to their running backs in the flats so if lamar jackson can kind of uh, be patient and, and take what the titans defense gives him and not try to force it then the the ravens offense could have a bit of success and Titans fans should know somebody like Nick Boyle, although not a game breaker at tight end, just a backup tight end, served a very important role in that office like an Anthony Fasano from the Titans a few years ago. And the Titans run offense dropped off a little bit after his departure, although he was just a role playing backup tight end. So everyone's role is important in a game like football. But let's move into the defensive side of the ball for the Ravens. And this defense is filled with some really solid veterans, but also some really talented young guys. So what's this Baltimore Ravens defense been like so far this season? Yeah, Tyler, this is an elite unit when it's healthy. They have so many guys who can do so many different things. 
And that's the versatility piece for this Ravens defense. Guys who can play linebacker and safety, guys who can play outside linebacker, inside linebacker, and even defensive end at times. And you mentioned it. It's, it's a solid mix of both veterans and young guys. But the key phrase I mentioned earlier, it's when healthy. And this Baltimore defense is almost the farthest thing from healthy that you will ever see. The Ravens, after that playoff loss to Tennessee, went out and built this football team to be able to stop the run, to hold leads. And the Ravens are going to most likely, not confirmed, but most likely be missing their top two run defenders in Calais Campbell and in Brandon Williams. And Brandon Williams by himself automatically knocks this Ravens defense down at least 10 spots in any ranking for me because he's such a presence on that defensive line. And then Calais Campbell, you can argue the main reason that Calais Campbell ended up getting traded to Baltimore, Baltimore made that move, was because of Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans. And so with them out, that's a huge loss for Baltimore, and not to mention they have five cornerbacks on IR. Their star three in Marlon Humphrey, Jimmy Smith, and Marcus Peters are all banged up right now. So eight injured corners, and the only two healthy ones are a 36-year-old Tremont Williams, who was signed last week, and Devonta Harris, who was signed yesterday. So we'll see if Jimmy Smith ends up playing Humphrey and Peters will. But with the guys who they have right now, Patrick Queen has been a very nice bright spot for them. Leads the team in tackles with 61. Chuck Clark has been a wonderful, wonderful safety. Same with Deshaun Elliott, the guy who was tasked with replacing Earl Thomas. And then they also have guys on the defensive front like Matthew Judon and Yanni Kingako, who they acquired at the trade deadline. They have Jalen Ferguson and Tyus Bowser, LJ Fort. And even without Campbell and Williams, the Ravens' run defense is not atrocious. Derek Wolf has been one of the best run defenders in the NFL this season. They have rookies and just a matter of week A and Broderick Washington. So this unit is elite when healthy, but it is far from that right now. This would be interesting to watch the Titans have some issues on defense as well and are hoping to get some players healthy, especially in the secondary. So injuries are definitely taking their toll on teams around the NFL. But withstanding those injuries, what do you think this Ravens defense might try to do against Derrick Henry this time around? I think this is a big pressure game in terms of getting pressure in the running lanes as well as being able to kind of take away the Titans play action pass game, which I think has been well documented across the league that the Titans are a very successful play action team. And that's not to say Ryan Tannehill can't sling it not in play action. But I think if you can take away Derrick Henry in the play action game, which is a tough task in itself, there's no guarantee you can do either. But if they're able to clog rushing lanes, Baltimore, I think, is going to let the linebackers do the work. And what I mean by that is they're going to try to let the defensive line take on double teams and free up those running lanes for Patrick Queen and Malik Harris and an LJ Fort, who are all very sound tacklers as well as big hitters. And if you're able to get Derrick Henry on the ground after a three, four-yard gain, that's honestly a win. So if you can do that consistently, force the Titans into third and sevens, third and sixes, even third and fives in situations where they have to throw the football. I'm sure Baltimore wants to be able to force those situations because they are confident in their elite secondary that includes Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters and Chuck Clark and the like to do a better job at stopping Tennessee on third down than in a third and one situation where you have a bowling ball and Derrick Henry running at you. So I think that if they can be able to get pressure on Ryan Tannehill early, send corner blitzes, be able to clog running lanes with corner blitzes, I think we're going to see a ton of blitzes dialed up by Don Martindale on this one. Yeah, that's something that's uh, kind of been, we talk about a book being written about the Baltimore Ravens offense. Well, the Titans offense has, has gotten kind of unlocked 
in, in a, a negative way, not a positive way in, in what I've seen over the last month. And that's definitely the key is, is early pressure up the middle, up the interior. So really appreciate all of that information, Kevin. Some great insight there about the Ravens and what we could expect them to, to do against the Titans and what they've done so far this year. We are going to move into the second portion of this conversation where I get in the hot seat and answer some of Kevin's questions about the Titans. We are back with our second segment of this conversation between Locked On Titans and Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker of Locked On Ravens here with you. And with me still is Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans. And Tyler, getting into the Titans questions part of this crossover, I think I have to start off with Ryan Tannehill and just how he's been doing this season in Tennessee after upsetting Baltimore in the playoffs. This season, 182 of 281 for 2,128 yards, 20 touchdowns in just three interceptions. How has Ryan Tannehill been in this Tennessee offense in 2020, and are you impressed with what you've seen? Uh, I would say Ryan Tannehill's been just fine, and I would say I am impressed because the question was, can he repeat what he was doing last year? And I think that what's most important about his performance so far this year is it's obvious that what he did last year wasn't a fluke. But I think what is also obvious this year is that a part of the, a big part of the reason of what he's doing here is the scheme. Because some of the schematic things that give the Titans offense an advantage are being taken away on a week-to-week basis over the last month. And Tannehill isn't able to, I guess, raise the Titans offense above that. It's what we always knew. It's what we always knew is there's about five or six elite quarterbacks in the NFL that can transcend their team and get their team to the playoffs and be a Super Bowl contender every year. They pull their cast with them. Ryan Tannehill is one of the better uh, quote-unquote quarterback managers in the NFL, but he's still not one of those elite guys like Mahomes and Rodgers and Brady and Breeze. And, you know, Lamar's had his struggles, but you could put him up there. Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. Ryan Tannehill's not one of those guys. He's one of the best guys in the NFL that isn't one of those guys. You could say that. But, you know, a lot of his success is because he fits perfectly in the scheme. And when some of the scheme stuff is let down, then his play starts to let down a little bit as well. So he, he's been good. I would say he's been good. He hasn't been great, but he hasn't been bad. And what he did last year was definitely repeatable, and we're seeing it this year as well. Yeah, absolutely. Tannehill is somebody who I think is one of the more disrespected players in the NFL, and I don't think he that he has a reason to be disrespected. He's shown that last year wasn't a fluke, and obviously, you know, you mentioned it, there's room for a bit of improvement, but what he's doing this year He's definitely, I think, the face of Tennessee, and I think that trade that they were able to pull off to get him just a few years ago was a great one. But, Tyler, I think I have to look back to the playoffs and just how badly Derrick Henry ran all over Uh. this Baltimore Ravens team, and it hurts me to do so. But I want to look back at that and look to this season as well and kind of compare the Titans' rushing offense to what they did last season versus how they've been performing this season. Now, Henry on the year in 2020 has 201 attempts for 946 yards. That's a 4.7 yards per carry average as well as eight touchdowns. So, Tyler, what have you seen from Tennessee in terms of how similar or different Tennessee's 2020 rushing offense looks to 2019? 
Um, Honestly, it doesn't look much different, at least schematically speaking. They're running the same style, outside zone, inside zone, a little bit of duo. They're working in a little bit more pool, a little bit more trap. So I like to see the the run game kind of evolving. Uh, Arthur Smith does like to set his base on that wide zone uh, scheme, but he's not beholden to it. He's going to be versatile and work in other concepts that help the offense. But here's the thing. This is what everyone has is, is learned, and it, this goes back. It's the big football debate about how much running backs matter, and when people say when the Derrick Henry rushes for over 100 yards, the Titans win the game, and those sort of stats. The Titans run the ball because they're able to get a lead, and then they can run the ball and salt, salt it away. The Titans stick to the run, but they score by throwing the ball. You talk about respect for Ryan Tannehill. That was the disrespectful part all along is last year in the playoffs, the Titans were throwing the ball to score. They were running the ball to salt away the clock. So the Titans were getting leads. So of course they were able to run the ball and have success. So this year, the Titans are still running the ball and having success. They're getting over a hundred yards of pretty much every single game, but the Titans can run the ball up and down the field. If they aren't having success in the passing game to score, then that running success doesn't matter as much. And that was always the secret behind the run. Everybody talked about how Derrick Henry's the team. Tannehill didn't deserve the contract because it was all Derrick Henry. And but that's just not it's not smart football analysis. People who tell you that Derrick Henry is a guy who was the key source to that playoff run, they just aren't watching the the right stuff on tape. So the Titans can run the ball. They ran for over 200 yards against the Bengals and lost by 10. So running the ball, the Titans offense looks just as good, but the secret was always the secret that was the same thing last year as it is this year. If the Titans passing offense doesn't have a consistent rhythm, then they can't score no matter how much they're able to run the ball. Right. And in this game of football, the run games opens up the pass game and the pass game opens up the run game. It's a hand in hand sequence. And if you're able to run the ball effectively, that opens up the pass game and it opens up the ability to throw the football to score. And if you're passing the football effectively and scoring with that first, you'll be able to salt away the clock, much like Tennessee has been doing in both 2019 and 2020. But Tyler, I have to ask about this Tennessee defense because it has not been all sunshine and rainbows for this unit in 2020. Jayon Brown leads this Tennessee team with 73 total tackles. Desmond King was a phenomenal trade deadline addition, in my opinion. How much has that addition helped so far in the limited action you've seen King in? And how can Tennessee improve on their pretty dismal first half of the season on defense? Well, it's really helped. And and obviously he had the touchdown in game one, but that was really a play made by Jeffrey Simmons. And, you know, obviously guys like that have high football IQ. They just have a nose for the ball. They just end up with the ball and they make a play. So I wouldn't call it happenstance. But the the point is that having Desmond King out there to just play solid cornerback, you know, in the slot, that meant so much to the Titans defense because his replacement, the guy who he the guy who he took over for was seventh round rookie Chris Jackson, who had been the worst cornerback in the NFL per pro football focus, literally the last ranked cornerback in the NFL. So Desmond King takes over for him, and that's a big boost. But the reality is the Titans are getting some poor play from some of the guys that were one of the better players on their team. Their linebacker core of Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans have been terrible this year compared to previous years. Star safety Kevin Byard is having his worst year of his career since his rookie season. So we're seeing some down play from some of the guys in the middle of the field for the Titans. And that's really hurt their ability to get off the field to prevent points. 
So the Titans' defense can turn it around, but they're just going to need some of their better players to pick it up. There were some changes to the coaching staff uh, on in the secondary and in the inside linebacker group, and those are two areas of this team that have dropped in play drastically over the past few years compared to this year. So you have to take a look at the coaching at some point, too. Uh, so that's obviously not going to get better anytime soon this season, but the Titans are hoping to maybe get a Dory Jackson back. But ultimately, for this defense to turn it around, you're going to need Jayon Brown, Rashawn Evans, Kenny Vaccaro, and Kevin Byard to turn things around in the middle of the field. Yeah, absolutely, Tyler. And speaking of a unit that you probably want to turn around pretty soon in Tennessee, the Ravens have been blessed with pretty nice special teams play over the course of their history. But in Tennessee, it's been a little bit different. Steven Guskowski has not been the solid veteran that he once was in the Titans punting situation right now. I don't even know how to describe what's going on there. Tyler, what's going on in Tennessee with their special teams group? And is it a real concern going into Baltimore? It's just a debacle. It has to be a concern. Uh, you look at Goskowski, he's missed eight field goals on the year. He's 12 for 20. He has dropped from the fifth most accurate kicker in NFL history to the 11th most accurate kicker in NFL history, just playing a half a season in Tennessee. I mean, the, the kicking situation is absolutely cursed. You look at two kickers, uh, Cody Parkey, Ryan Suckup, that, or Cairo Santos and Ryan Suckup, both were terrible for the Titans last year, having great years this year with their respective ball clubs. So obviously there's something in the water in Nashville that's affecting the kicker. And it's crazy how everything works together. We had terrible snaps from our longtime long snapper, which got our punter hurt, which caused us to use three punters in three weeks. We play this Trevor Daniel kid last week. The Titans are up by four. They have a 17-yard punt that gives the Colts great field position. They score. They have a punt block. The next drive, the Colts score. Now they're down by 10. I mean, it's been a comedy of errors. The Titans put a lot of money to special team-specific players. Nick DeZubnar, Will Compton, Darren Bates, um, Joshua Kalou. The Titans put a lot of money into special teams only players and special team stud players so for all this to happen it's just truly unacceptable and the titans at some point have to look at the special teams coaching to figure out why this is happening and and it's player production is down on special teams in terms of guys doing their job staying in their rush lanes on returns also though Guys aren't getting coached up properly. We saw David Long make the same mistake two punts in a row on those two punts that I referenced earlier. And why didn't the coaching staff look at the tape and coach him up on that from one punt to the next punt? So the coaches are letting down on special teams. The players are letting down on special teams. And when you consider that the Titans put specific money to special teams only players, it's just unacceptable. Yeah, and with the Ravens and with the NFL in general, you know, special teams is a really underrated unit. It can literally be the yes. reason teams win and lose football games, yes. as we saw against the Indianapolis Colts for Tennessee. And as the Ravens have done so many times on a late Justin Tucker field goal or a late Sam Cook punt to pin the defense or to pin the offense, the opposing offense back, it, it can do a lot for a team in the terms of wins and losses. But, Tyler, this is a pretty big game coming up for both teams. Again, both teams probably are a little bit worse than they were in 2019 right now. And this game is who gets the right to go to 7-3 and three and who falls to 6-4. and four. It's always a pleasure talking to you. 
Yeah, I mean, with everybody jumbled up right now at 6-3 and three in the AFC, both of our teams are tied for 7th right now with the Ravens having a little bit of a tiebreaker. So this is a massive game for playoff seeding and for playoff opportunity going forward. Hopefully there's a chance that we talk to each other again later in the season if things go well for either of us down the line, and I look forward to that. Absolutely. Thanks again, Tyler. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with me and Kevin Ostriker from Locked on Ravens. I thought it was very insightful and a really good way to begin our preparation for this game. Tomorrow, though, we are going to dive into this matchup from every possible angle. Going to give you my schematic keys to victory, player matchups to watch, fantasy, gambling, injury update, my score and game prediction, everything you could want from a game preview show. So make sure that you're locked into the Locked on Titans podcast on whatever platform you do stream. That is going to do it for me today, though. As always, I am your host, Tyler Rowland, and this was Locked on Titans. <laughs>